Welcome to the Homeschool Together podcast. Where one working mom and a stay-at-home dad help you navigate the nuts and bolts of the growing and dynamic world of homeschooling. With a focus on early learners. Like me! All the ins and outs of building and maintaining your homeschool life. Homeschool! Find out tips and tricks to make things like this easier. I'm reading! And ultimately, enjoy educating your kids. And what's that last thing? Have fun together! Did I do good, Daddy? (laughs) Yeah, you did, sweetie. Good job. Hello and welcome to Homeschool Together. Thanks so much for joining us and taking the time out to share in our experience here. Today we are going to be interviewing Christina Gardner from the Blossom and Root Curriculum. We have talked extensively about the various curriculums that we have used in the past. And today we're going to be talking about a little bit something new. Mm-hmm. But before we hop into that, head down into the show notes. Where I'm going to have links to all the things that Christina recommends and links and talks about and all the links to all her curriculums and everything. Um, We also have a link if you want to keep this podcast ad-free. We have gotten lots of requests to do ads, and we have said no, no ads. And because we know it's important, we don't want to, it's not really something we want to do. So we do have a link down below as well to our Gumroad store if you'd like to kick in there and buy us a cup of coffee or something like that. And, you know, we we, we spend time with you, you know, in your morning commute as you're driving your kids around. And we're living in your your eardrums all day long. And uh, you want to just say hey and, and thank you and that we would be appreciate really your support yeah Absolutely. this is something we don't want to we're not going to do one of those you know like you pay an extra patreon thing no. and then put something behind a paywall that only no. special people get special content we just don't really believe in that all, so all of you are special people yeah we just want homeschooling <laughs> to be free and accessible for everyone Absolutely. so um yeah we appreciate your support and that'll be down there uh, as matt said in the show and so yeah christina garner it was wonderful to talk to her this again this is going to be part of a two episode series we're going to talk a little we're going to talk about today something really cool that she's uh, has available now called the Book Seeds, and then we're going to follow up with, um, maybe next week uh, with her talking about the the prehistory curriculum. Which, funny, she's about to do it for a second time with right. her kids. Yeah, and so. as you know, if you've listened to the show, we're in the middle of the prehistory right now exactly. and really enjoying it. So it was fun to get into this with her. We interviewed her. Gosh, it was over a year ago, I think. Yes. Um, and we discussed Blossom and Root in general and uh, her philosophy behind creating that curriculum and, and a, a lot about the kind of the more generalizations about about the curriculum. So we'll link that down in the show notes. Well, you can and, go back and listen to and, that. That's a really great overview of everything Blossom and Root. And what's also great is that she's a homeschool mom as well. And, she is. And, you know, the fact that she's creating all this, we, you know, Ariel and I have now... Uh, uh, admitted to ourselves that we're not allowed to complain about how busy we are because Christina is way more busier than we are. <laughs> she and, is. She's a superhero mom. And she's also a homeschool mom as well. And in that interview that we did a year ago, we went into a lot, lot of her background as an educator and her right. her being a homeschool parent. And, and I think that's really cool when you see these creators who are also homeschooling parents themselves. And, and Christina uses pretty much all her curriculums with her kids. And and one of the funny things that I think if I remember from that interview is that, you know, a lot of the curriculums that she created up front were, you know, for her children. And then she said, well, maybe I could just put this together and help other families. And that's kind of, you know, kind of birthing that, that, that whole business out of, out of that. So 
She's a wonderful person to talk to, but today we talked to her about these the idea of a book seed. Right. These are like a mini unit study, and they're usually centered around a piece of children's literature, so a, a children's picture book. Yeah. And then she has all kinds of really neat activities and ways to further explore. It's like you, you basically take this book, and that is a springboard into all of this extra learning. And mm-hmm. a lot of it has to do with nature, and then she has a science series. So it's something that we've wanted to talk with her about because... Uh, you know, we, we haven't gotten a good chance to really dig into that, and uh, it's really interesting. So we're we're planning to do actually we're planning to do Mary Anning and the Sea Dragon that that um, book seed after we finish prehistory is a good way to like kind of cap it off, you yep. know. And it's nice sometimes to do these mini unit studies because you can you know, take a take a break from your regularly scheduled program yep. and you know do something different or even just layer it on top of what you're doing. Um, anyway, this is this is a fun topic and we're really glad that we were able to talk with her again. So we are gonna um, hush up and let her take it away. So here she is, Christina Garner from Blossom and Root. Hi Christina, thanks so much for coming back on our show. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, I'm so excited to talk with you because uh, we were yeah. saying before the show, we're we've, just we've very a long time. We have, and we're very yeah, all into Blossom and Root yeah. right now. We're in early years, volume one with our littlest and going to volume two. And we're in the middle of prehistory, as people know, as we've been talking all about doing prehistory. Yeah. And there's a giant uh, stegosaurus drawn on our driveway right now. Yep. So nice. our entire driveway <laughs> is a chalk stegosaurus. So thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah. <laughs> what My would pleasure. we do without it? <laughs> So we we brought you on. We wanted to talk about something that we haven't done yet. Yes. Well, I have a couple of them ready. I have the Mary Annie and the Sea Dragon. Mm-hmm. I have the Mitten all staged. But book seeds are something that you offer that are focused around literature. And we haven't gotten a chance to really explore those. So we wanted to take this time today that we could kind of go over what is a book seed and how should we use it. So um, maybe we could get started. Can you talk to us a little bit about you know, the focus of Blossom and Root being so much about connecting kids to uh, and their education to the environment, getting everybody outside and into nature. So how does Book Seeds fit into that whole philosophy? Um, well, I started them because, uh, well, like I started a lot of things it's because I wanted something like that. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted something that was a smaller focus that we could pull out and take outside or do inside if the weather is not friendly for going outside at that time um, and still have a focus on nature while exploring how nature and STEM and technology and engineering and art and math all can work together, how nature can um, intersect with those STEAM concepts. So, um, and inspired by um, a single children's book. And of course you can add tons of other books to most of the book seeds really easily, but just stemming from one particular book um, as the inspiration. So it kind of married all the things that were really important to me in our homeschool, literature, um, art and STEM concepts and nature all together in a mini unit that was a little easier to bite into if you wanted to just splice it into existing curriculum that you're already working on, or if you needed a break from that, um, something that was easy and a little bit smaller of a bite for families. Absolutely. You know, I took I had a chance to take a look at the uh, the one that was inspired by Frederick. I think you currently have it up on your website. Um, That's our newest well, one. Yeah, the newest one. It's it's really cute, and I, I liked it a lot. So you talked a little bit about how like this is kind of a bolt on thing. Do you how do you envision people kind of using it in their day to day? Is it meant to be an adjunct to Blossom and Root, or is it just something free that anybody could use at any time? 
Um, well, there's a lot of different ways they can be used. You can definitely use them in conjunction with Blossom and Root curriculum, but you can also use them in conjunction with any other curricula or as an unschooler or even in classroom settings. So there's a few different ways you can use them. Um, how we like to use them in our homeschool most of the time is when we need a break from our usual curriculum. Like if we're tackling a topic that we're going to be studying all year long um, in science, for example, and we want to just kind of hop out of it for like a week or two, just to take a quick break. Um, book seeds are a really fun way to do that. Um, just take a breather from a longer term topic to explore something different for a little while. And we also like to do them over the summer and over any breaks that we take, but they can also be integrated into existing lessons. Like um, if you're doing Wonders of the Animal Kingdom or level three science, a lot of the book seed profiles and science editions go really, really well. Um, they fit really well with the concepts in Wonders of the Animal Kingdom. For example, when you're studying birds, you might do spring after spring. Um, or if you're doing the reptiles unit, you might do the Joan Proctor issue. So they can integrate into curriculum or standalone from it. And we do have several, I think we have four free issues and the rest of them we try to price really low. They're either $4 or $6, depending on which issue you're talking about. Yeah, I think they would be a nice break. I, I saw we... We have the mitten and I was thinking that would be a really fun one to do for Chris, you know, Christmas time, that holiday between Thanksgiving and Christmas when you just everything is all over the place. Be like, you know what? We're dropping everything. We're just going to do this and we'll enjoy it and we'll dive into it and do something like maybe a little bit different. Can you talk a little bit about the types of activities that you include in? Is it is it art and some tech stuff or, you know, what, what kind of things would families find in a book seed? Okay, well, I'll go over what um, all of the issues we've created since 2019 have included in them. The ones that we created before 2019 are just a little shorter. Those are the spring uh, bundle that you'll see in our store. But the rest of them since then, we've expanded the format to include more activities. So just a note that this is that format. So every issue includes four STEAM activities. Some of those are going to focus on science concepts. Some will focus on art. Some will focus on math, technology, or engineering. Um, they're just uh, a quick activity that you can do that ties that nature theme from the book into a STEM or a STEAM concept. So they have four out of those kinds of activities. There's an art activity. Um, and some issues have more than just the one. Um, some issues have up to three. And then... Um, there is the kitchen classroom activity. So it's a recipe that you can make with your children. Um, we have two, yeah. I love that part too. And <laughs> in the mitten, it's really fun. Yeah. There are two nature study prompts. And those are usually pretty, uh, pretty unstructured and low key so that they're really easy to do no matter where you live. Um, and then we have three invitations to play. Those are designed especially for the younger end of the spectrum, um, younger learners or siblings that might be tagging along, but older kids enjoy those too. They're just like a more unstructured, fun, exploratory activity. And then we have a nature journaling prompt for those who like to do that. And then we do have a wonderful, wonderful words section, which um, it varies a lot right there. But for example, in one of my favorite issues, Spring After Spring, it's a word that your child puts together a word search using local bird names. So oh, they cool. come up with a list of local birds that they have seen in their yard or in their neighborhood, and they make a word search out of the bird names that they collect. So mm -hmm. it's things like that. 
And then we always end with a dig deeper section, which is, you know, for people who did this issue and they want to keep going, it's recommended resources to continue. Absolutely. So what, what's the typical age span of the book seed? You talked about having younger learners and older learners. Does it really encompass mostly elementary or what's your suggestion to do this uh, with multiple kids? I think they're really flexible. The age recommendation we currently have on our seasonal issues. So issues like the spring collection, the pond collection, the winter ones, those are um, recommended for ages two to eight, but I'm finding that we can go much further past that eight recommendation. I'm still doing it with my 11 year old and my nine year old, and they are still loving the same issues that they loved two years ago, three years ago. So um, I think eight is probably a little bit low. I think we could definitely raise that up to 10 or even higher. Um, but that's for the seasonal issues. And then we have a profile in science series, and that's designed for a slightly older learning um, group. I would say grades one to five is the recommended age range for those, just because they tend to be a little bit more complex. But again, if you have an advanced younger learner, they might enjoy it. And if you have a learner that's slightly older than that fifth grade level, they might also enjoy some of the activities from it. I think the important thing is that you can adapt a lot of it and use what's going to work for you now at this time and then come back to it in a couple of years and use it again. And you're going to get a different experience both times, just based on your the age of your child and their maturity level and what they're ready for. Are some of the recommended, recommend, like something that I've noticed in a lot of your um in a lot of your curriculums, whether it's the early uh, early learners one that I'm doing with my my youngest right now, and then even in the prehistory, you have so many suggestions. Like it's mm-hmm. it's just like it's it's such a great place for Which me to appreciate. start. Yeah, we really appreciate it because <laughs> some so, days are not days to do whatever activity. Uh, I love having the selection. Yeah, it's all the selection. Are are some of the activities in you know the the book seed? Are you meant to do all of them? Are they like definitely not? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you definitely can if you want to tackle yeah. every single activity in a book seat issue, go for it. But I have never done that, and I'm the one who writes them. <laughs> I've never done a whole entire book seat issue with my children and hit every single activity for that issue. Um, but there are times that we've circled back to issues we've done in the past, and we might repeat some of favorite activities that we did the first time around, but then do some of the ones we skipped the first time around. And that's that's kind of fun, too. But no, absolutely not. You don't have to do every activity. And you have a main book that's recommended. But yeah. what's really nice is you have some supplemental books as well. Is it okay if a family can't get a hold of it at the library and they can go ahead and use one of the supplementals? They can still do all the activities and get all absolutely. the learning? Okay. Yeah, we try to make it so that it's not dependent on that one book. That way yeah. there is some flexibility there. So that if, you know, if they go to their library and they're like, well, we don't have the three sunflowers, but we have Sunflower House by Eve Bunting, yeah. which is a really good substitution for that one. Um, then they can use that one instead okay. and it's not directly tied. So that makes since sense. there's a variability in like how many activities you might want to do, what do you think is the kind of normal time range to do a book seat? Is this a one week, a three week, you know, I'm, I'm sure it really depends on how many activities you undertake. It does. And it also depends on how you're using it. If you're just wanting to supplement something you're already doing in a different curriculum or unit, you might only pick two or three activities from it and call it good. But if you're doing that book seat issue as a whole mini unit study for a week or two, you might spend a week or two, even sometimes longer on it. Like the under and over the pond issue, 
I think we spent almost a whole month on that one with my daughter's one June because we just kept coming back to this. There was a couple of prompts that they wanted to do over and over again. And we actually made some great discoveries doing the same prompts at different times of day and in different ponds. And it led to all these really neat discoveries of comparing places and times. And so you can definitely expand it as long as you want, but you can also just pick and choose. It just depends really on how you're wanting to use them, the ages of your children, what they enjoy doing, that kind of thing. I'd say one to two weeks is pretty normal. Okay. Okay. One to two. That sounds really good. Uh, yeah, it's absolutely. So you've alluded to some different types. You've got some seasons and some STEM. What kinds are available right now? Um, where, where should parents start if they're looking? They're like, I'm not, I'm not sure which one to pick. <laughs> well, um, we have two main categories right now. We have the seasonal category and we have the profiles and science category. I would say anybody who's starting out with book seeds should just start with our free issues because they're very low risk. <laughs> we have four different free issues. We have um, the three sunflowers, which is a kind of a summer theme, or it would work really well for fall too, because it focuses on sunflowers. We have the new Frederick issue, which is really great for that transition from autumn into winter. That one's free as well. Mm -hmm. We have sunbread, which is for the winter solstice, but it can obviously be done throughout the whole winter. And then we also have the mitten, which is a great winter issue. So I would mm -hmm. say start with one of the free ones and give it a shot. And if it connects with you, then we have um, those two collections I talked about, the seasonal ones and the profiles in science. So the ones that are STEM focused, um, that package of the science ones, what what top, are there some like overarching science topics that each uh, book seed is covering or is it just kind of a general theme of science? Well, both collections have STEM topics in them. It's just the seasonal ones are more um, based on a nature concept. And then the profiles in science are based more around a figure or a person. A person, okay. Sorry, I didn't explain that very well. But um, you said overarching theme. And yes, we do. We have overarching themes depending on the issue that are inspired by the book and the nature concepts within the book. Absolutely. Okay. Interesting. So which one's your favorite? Okay, you had that on the list. And I was like, how am I going to pick my favorite? So like I picked, picking children. <laughs> I picked three favorites. Uh, one of our very favorites is the mitten. Um, so that book is in our early years, volume one. And my youngest daughter loved that book so much. She wanted me to read it to her every night at bedtime for the longest time. It's like falling apart. And I was like, I should, I should write a book seat issue for this so that she can really like dig a little deeper into it and, um, put all the fun activities in it that she really enjoys doing like baking and, so I think the mitten is probably the closest to my heart right now. So I'd say that's one of my favorites. I'd say over and under the pond is one of my favorites too, just because we've probably done that one three times now and we still find something new every time. And uh, as they get older, they, they enjoy different parts of it more than other parts when they were younger. And so that one's constantly evolving for us. And I've just really enjoyed going through it over and over again with them. And then my third favorite is a profiles in science issue called Spring After Spring. And it's based on um, a book about Rachel Carson. And it, it investigates uh, perching birds, passerines. So I really enjoy that one because it's got birds in it and Rachel Carson, which is pretty cool. <laughs> but um, what I like about that one, too, is that it's pretty easy for most people to uh, observe birds. It doesn't matter where you live, you're going to have perching birds around you somewhere. So yeah. it's a really friendly one for 
whether you're in an urban setting or out in the country, whatever country in the world you live in, what part of the world you live in, you're going to have an opportunity to observe perching birds. So I really like that issue for that, that aspect of it. Uh, those all sound those all sound wonder like really good. I'll make sure to link those in the show notes as well, so yeah, people definitely. get directly to those. Sure. Um, I had an extra question. Um, you alluded to the fact that you, you know you've done these with your with your kids. Um, what type of preparation is necessary? That, that's one of the things that I'm I'm very aware of these days is how prepared I can be. How because many supplies I, do I need? How many this? supplies do I need? How can I? And for me, more than anything, is like good preparation is good, gets good success out of the homeschool yes. and and everything. Yeah. And so. You know, what type of like, you know, work is necessary for a parent to, you know, get ready for this for the week or for the the two week period that you said these could take? Um, I think it's pretty low key. I try really hard to make uh, the stuff that you use. Um, I try really hard to choose activities which are going okay. to use things that you have around your home already or are really easy to find. We have moved since our last interview and now we live out in the country of Louisiana. And oh, so, wow. Oh, no wonder you're tired. Move. <laughs> it's yeah, move to be closer to family. But, um, uh, so I, I'm really, really hyper aware of that now, but I've always been kind of mindful of, I don't like going out and running to the store all the time to get stuff. It really annoys me. And I'm not, I'm really bad at remembering to do that. So when I'm designing curriculum, I try to make it where nobody else has to do a great deal of that either. Um, so I start by that, by trying to make it really easy to source all the stuff you need. But I think the easiest thing to do is just sit down, flip through the issue and decide which activities you want to do. Um, make a quick list of the things you don't already have at home that you might need. I don't think it would really, I mean, when I plan them out, it doesn't take that much preparation. I'd say maybe okay. half an hour to do the whole issue to prepare. So okay. yeah, that sounds yeah. reasonable. Yeah. My question is when you do Mary Annie and the sea dragon, because I looked this up already, mm-hmm. there's an exercise where we're going to make cookies and we're going to excavate fossils. How do we not eat all of the <laughs> cookie bars? Because I mean, they're uh, going to be all chunked up at the end. I feel like that's just, we're going to eat an entire pan of cookies. We're probably going to eat them. Hmm. <laughs> so maybe I get mad, like make a half thing. Invite the neighbor yeah, kids over to excavate mess. with us. I'm all, I'm all about delivering ex- sweets to random people. Yeah, right. <laughs> Get that's out. a really fun activity. And that's actually one that I haven't gotten to do with my girls yet because they've both been too young each time we've done that one. But I told you we're getting ready to start prehistory ourselves this spring. We're going to be doing that issue along with it as well. And they're finally at the age where I feel like they'll get that activity enough to justify doing it. Do you think there's been, I mean, your girls being nine and 11, is there any issue doing this with multi-ages or do you find that the activities are, you know, general enough as far as they don't, you know, you don't need to make them harder for the older child or easier for the younger that everyone can kind of participate? Yeah. Um, I haven't run into anything yet where I needed to make it harder for my oldest. Um, there were times when, you know, a couple years ago when I would have to adapt some things for Bryce because she's younger and, and um, but not very many. I think sometimes, sometimes if it was an activity I really wanted to do that I didn't think she would enjoy just because she would be frustrated with the fine motor skills required or just wouldn't be mature enough to wrap her mind around the concept yet. I would usually just do that one with Blake alone and have Bryce doing one of the, you know, one of the invitations to play at the same time or just kind of off doing her own thing. Gotcha. So because the activities don't usually take very long, that was pretty easy to juggle. So do you plan to release more in the future? What topics are you interested in covering? Absolutely. I'm actually very 
very eager to make more book seat issues. I very much enjoy working on them. I have a huge stack of books that I'm inspired to write a book seat issue for to work through. I just, um, the last couple of years, I've been tied up in really long projects that required my full attention and didn't have very much time set aside to do those. But I'm looking forward to having more time set aside to do those in the very near future. So I want to finish our pond collection first. <laughs> so I started this pond collection a couple of years ago, and I think it's eight issues that I mapped out. I already started writing them. And um, after the first two issues were released, we had a family health crisis, and I had to put a lot of things on hold to help support our family member that needed help. So um, we were pretty tied up in that for a while. And then by the time that got kind of evened out, it was time to work on our grade level stuff again. So those have been on hold on the back burner for a long time. And I'm really excited to go ahead and get it done. So I'll probably start there. But I also want to um, release more seasonal issues. I want to release a fall collection, another a new spring collection, um, a summer collection and finish out the winter collection that we've started. And then I also had some other ideas. I want to do a lot more profiles and science issues because I really enjoy those, especially as my daughters are getting older. Mm -hmm. And um, let's see, I wrote a couple. I'm working on a Fungi Kingdom collection. Ooh. Really excited for that. Um, and then just some general biome ones. I want to do a Corvid issue, uh, crows and magpies and ravens, that kind of thing. Um, and like I said, sometimes I just find a children's book that I really love. And I'll say, I've got to make a book seat issue for this someday. So I've got a pretty good stack of issues that I want to work on in the future. So what is it about a book that really inspires you to be like, yeah. we, we need a book seat on this? Is it just like how many times you've had to read it? Is it something that you're like, wow, this this book is such a springboard to further learning. There's just so many things you could build off of. Like, what is it that speaks to you when you read a children's book? There's a few things that I look for. First is accessibility. Like I want it to be a book that parents can pretty easily source um, and find ideally at their library. <laughs> you know, I want it to be a book that's going to be easy enough for them to find. That can be hard. Um, I want it to have beautiful artwork that's fun to look at and inspiring for children of all ages. Um, and then the third thing and the most important thing really is that I if I'm reading it and I'm getting inspired, like, oh my gosh, this would be a really cool way to talk about capacity, or this would be a really neat opportunity to look at scales, like fish scales, or, oh, I would really love to study how this would change throughout the year in somebody's backyard. I also look for things that are going to be um, pretty easy for people to, to observe in nature in a wide variety of places. Hmm. So those are all things I look at. But if it's a book that I'm like, ooh, there's this and there's this, all these different things that are tied in here that's usually a really good indication that we can make it work. <laughs> oh, that sounds so exciting. Is it possible that somebody could take all of your book seeds and just say, this is going to be our literature for the year? I was thinking the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, you could definitely do that, especially if you're kind of leaning toward the, you know, more relaxed end of the spectrum or the unschooling end of things. It would definitely work for that. Most oh, people, I don't think use it like that, but you could. Yeah, I've noticed your suggestions have been very, like in some of your other curriculums have helped me through, you know, a lot of like, okay, I don't have anything going on today, or I don't know what to do. Pulling those suggestions in have been very helpful. And I could imagine being an unschooler sitting there going, well, the kids are kind of bored today, you know, giving me some suggestions that I can offer to them could be super helpful. And I could, I could imagine somebody using in that kind of that loose homeschooling uh, environment and just having these be, you know, ideas that people could use. 
Mm-hmm. Especially seasonally. I think so too, especially great. the younger ones, you know, I oh, think yeah. those younger grade levels, you could definitely do that. And you just jump into so many different science concepts and they're, you know, you see the, you start finding these connections between them. Like, Oh, I remember learning about that when we did this. And I remember learning about that, you know, so you start to see these connections between things too. And they're so observable to kids being outside and in nature. Yeah. I, I think it's so much more impactful. We can read all about, you know, all these topics, but when they can actually see and do it, they really, yeah. it really makes an impression. Well, and being outside intentionally is something that we're pushing. We're going to be pushing for this year. We, we know there's those people with the three, uh, what, 1,000 hour challenge. 1,000 hours outside. Like, I, I, I mean, those people, bless them. Here in the <laughs> rainy Pacific Northwest, I don't know if I could do three hours. Well, it, it, we I don't think you could do that in Louisiana. I mean, no. I've been here in for the one year. For you guys. Yeah, for the and summers for just, you guys. Like, summer here is, I wasn't prepared. My husband tried to warn me. He tried to tell me what it was going to be like, but <laughs> in my head, I could not have imagined what summer is like here. We were from Central Florida. It's not the bayou, but it is pretty swampy. Yeah, we, it, we, we totally understand. I almost passed out at Disneyland in February. <laughs> your, hair, your hair just slowly extends out and yeah. it's so humid and so staticky. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Like you go outside, you're okay. I'm going to get out there and I'm going to, you know, I'm be sorry. in nature and you're out for like 10 minutes and you're like, I might die. <laughs> I should probably <laughs> go back inside. People it's weren't meant like, to live here. It's just like instant sweat, sweat. Yeah. Well, at risk of getting off topic, I think this is such great information about the book seeds and Mm -hmm. what a great way to get our kids outside and have all these different activities that we can pull on, especially as people are starting to get prepared for what they're going to do maybe over the summer, you know, they're going to gear down their normal curriculums. These are great for them to use. So we really appreciate you coming in and talking to us all about it. Thank you so much for having me. I've really enjoyed talking to you guys again. So this is part one of our series and come back for part two with Christina, where we talk all about prehistory. Thanks so much for joining us today and making us a part of your homeschool journey. Please engage with us on social media. Join our Homeschool Together podcast group on Facebook and find us at Homeschool Together podcast on Instagram. We'd love to hear your feedback, questions, and recommendations. Until next time. Happy homeschooling!